Hey everyone, today I got to speak with Kevin of the Sand and Tones. Uh, we talk about his love for reggae and ska, the reggae and ska culture, um, how he got involved in that, how he got involved in recording uh, local bands and the way he supports local bands, and so much more. So please give it a listen, um, like, subscribe, leave me a comment, let me know who you want to hear from, and thank you again so much for all the support. Thanks. Um, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you joining. Uh, so we'll just get started. I want to know when you knew that music was going to be a part of your life. Oh, man. Uh, for as long as I can remember, uh, I always, always was always that kid. I grew up on Southern rock and country and, uh, my dad loved Leonard Skinner and the outlaws and all that. I always listened to KZEP. So I had like, I would make little mixtapes uh, of like them, like from a year, being super young. I remember being like five years old and making little mixtapes of stuff I would record off of KZEP. And then fifth grade, I, you know, it was the first year I could join band and joined band, started playing the trumpet. And, uh, you know, of course, when you start any instrument, you suck at it and you know being in fifth grade my parents you know and uh starting on trumpet i was the youngest of four kids so my uh family made me switch to they asked the band director what could i play that didn't make a lot of noise and they told him percussion and he'd have a little drum pad and a xylophone so you switched um, uh, to xylophone yeah i was forced <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, which I guess was okay. Cause I, I learned how to, you know, essentially play piano, uh, learned my music theory, the scales and all that. And pretty much stuck with that from fifth to eighth grade. And, uh, I was, a little, I was real nerdy, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends and I was a huge band nerd. I was really into playing my xylophone everywhere I went. And, uh, <laughs> so I had the chance to move to, I was living in shirts. I had the chance to move with my mom to uh, the Northeast side of San Antonio, moved over there. And my uh, brother played for a band called Cape Cat Sammy. It was like a rockabilly band. And uh, he kind of uh, turned me on to like punk rock and ska and all that. So I moved over there in seventh grade and I was still in percussion and uh, I was still playing xylophone and auxiliary percussion. And uh, I heard Rancid in the seventh grade, the Maxwell Murders. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, after hearing him that solo, I decided playing bass was my, you know, I wanted to do that. And so I asked for a bass guitar for my 12th birthday. And my mom got me one of those little starter yamaha kits yeah you know it came with and, the amp and stuff yep amp gig bag little bass book <laughs> uh bass basics i read that thing front to back a couple times and uh i quit school band ninth grade came around um i wasn't really too big into i wasn't practicing every day i wasn't you know what i mean i really love to play bass and bmx so nice i would you know ride my bike till the sun went down and then i would come home and 
read that base book and practice the little skills that they had me do in there. And nice. So, so when you first started like playing bass, was that your practice? It was just like reading the book, or um, did you also like utilize any like tabs or uh, anything like that? Yeah, I. You know, in the book, they taught you how to read tabs and everything. It's pretty self-explanatory anyways. But, uh, yeah, and then, so I started doing that. I started learning all these Rancid songs. And, because, uh, like, Rancid, and then quickly fell in love with the Bouncing Souls. And uh, and then ska music, like the Third Wave, Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake. I really loved, like, walking bass lines. And, uh my stepbrother heard me playing one day and he would hear me playing the same scale over and over. And, uh, he came in there and he taught me walk, don't run by the ventures. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. I've probably heard it, but I probably don't know that name. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's, uh, it's in the sandlot. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You you definitely (laughs) hear it. It's got a real iconic, guitar riff like uh i'm not a best yeah. yeah i get paid not to sing <laughs> uh i recognize that though <laughs> yeah uh yeah and he he taught me that and i was always going out to his shows and watching i really loved the upright bass man like seeing his band and seeing that guy play it and throw it around stage and all the chicks that he got and <laughs> was just uh i knew that's what i wanted to do man and yeah i got off and rolling and moved back i got kicked out being a little shithead kid <laughs> so my mom kicked me out and i moved back in with my dad in freshman year and i moved away a nerdy kid and i moved back like a full-fledged like punk rock attitude you know like people would come at me the same way they would try to bully me the same way <laughs> And I was twice as big, twice as strong, and twice as mean, and <laughs> it didn't go well for them. <laughs> uh, so when did you start um, jamming, like, with other people? When I moved back to shirts. I moved back to shirts, and a uh, bunch of my old friends, you know, one of my good friends started playing guitar, and uh, his brother played drums, and I moved back, and I started playing bass, and then... Uh, started a little punk rock band called beat my guest <laughs> and uh yeah and it was uh we played like our first show was at Sten 13 on a tuesday at like three o'clock in the afternoon we had to skip school to go play it dang i i remember Sten 13 days yeah uh, did you ever know blakey yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anyone did. <laughs> unfortunately yeah <laughs> Oh, you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that dude's wild. Yeah, big time. But <laughs> we were like 14 years old, and he was giving us shows. And, of course, you know, it always came with some, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a fun time. It was always a good time. We didn't know any better, you know. Yeah, just trying to play, just um do you remember like when y'all made that band like what your like mindset was for writing was it just like the guitar player makes riffs or were you just kind of winging it yeah uh 
basically the guitarist and he was the guitarist and the singer he would write all the songs at that time and uh i would write my own bass part which was you know just pretty much following the guitar mm -hmm. little walks up and downs here and there um but yeah it was for the most part just him i didn't uh i didn't really start writing until i started playing guitar when i was right about uh 16. okay so you went from uh from bass to guitar did you already kind of like learn guitar just while you're kind of learning bass or was that just something brand new yeah no it was uh learning i mean like I, I knew my music theory and everything and then i had um uncles so once i started like really digging into playing bass and um my uh, parents got me acoustic bass because all my uncles play guitar but no one plays bass so uh every like holiday we would all get together and they would bring all their instruments and we would all have like a big jam session so uh, I kind of learned how to play guitar by asking them and watching them and following them. And plus like they would yell at me and, you know, <laughs> like tell me this is a C chord. You need to be playing a C, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, which I, I, it was, it's a good way to learn, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you think that you going into band, uh, or like having that knowledge of like reading music helped you when you were learning um, guitar and bass? Yeah. Because uh, it was all just learning the getting the muscle memory down at that point, you know. And uh, I never really took guitar seriously. I just kind of wanted to learn so to make me a better bass player, you know, because okay. it was like I was starting to jam with like older kids and stuff like that and they were coming up with like other chords that you know and they would tell me like c major 7 13 you know and all these crazy things that i was like well i don't even know what to do on bass right there you know <laughs> so i just kind of learned that and then i would just teach myself i would pick the brain of anybody that knew more than me and he, even like people who didn't know as much as me like i always found playing with people who weren't as educated with music theory and things like that always had like a real unique way of finding like what works and what doesn't work. And I always found myself learning more watching them and asking them, you know, than I did asking someone that knew twice as much as me, you know, and I still kind of carry, I still carry that mindset around where I'm never good enough. You know, I'm always, you know, I don't mean that like, in a pity way, I mean that like, um, there's always room to grow. There's always something you don't know and something you could do to get better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's, um, great advice too, especially just in the scene, just networking, talking, learning about each other, kind of what we're doing now, you know, always, always room to find something to grow, grow from. Yeah. Um, so after uh when when did you start getting involved with like ska or reggae uh bands uh when i was about 21 uh we played in a we always changed the name like we were always <laughs> it was like it started off as w then it was legalized w and uh the i think the longest it was was always late <laughs> like and that way they couldn't get mad at us <laughs> oh my god 
and uh yeah so that, that was like punk and ska we we played at zombies on beat metal mondays and got booed off the stage oh wow yeah it was pretty funny i mean like <laughs> what we said yes to it and we they knew like we were it was like a like a pop punk ska like third wave ska and there was nothing mean about it i didn't think that any metalheads would like it but <laughs> we still got paid they paid us early <laughs> <laughs> man that's pretty wild uh zombies is like a typically a metal place for anyone non san antonio yeah <laughs> yeah the, it was man, the old it was the old zombies too the one uh, next to ruby ruby soho or, oh uh, yeah have midnight ropaho <laughs> yeah that uh I, I think i went there like once and then to their newer location uh, yeah, yeah that, that's cool i mean i i didn't really play in any in any metal bands or anything like that to really go frequent zombies but yeah. uh yeah they always had that b like b films going on those are kind of cool yeah just in the background and uh this now they're doing like more reggae or they were they were having like reggae nights yeah um what uh what are some like venue or what's like your favorite venue to play at here in town hondros hondros yeah hondros is cool uh yeah um so right now you're in the san antones yep yeah man uh i i see see a lot of your promo um you work with mr five if i'm not mistaken yeah Yeah, um that actually he actually dissolved a sonority music group recently um we actually kind of low-key like took a hiatus yeah for for a little bit uh kind of regroup uh he he had put he had put all this together and like when we started the San Antones we asked him to like be like the manager you know because he's always been real good to us and he's a really smart he's uh I I mean like he took on a lot of responsibility with the San Antones and can't thank him enough for that and really feeling it without him and everything but uh yeah he started uh <clears throat> we started the San Antones, asked him to be the manager. He started the Sonority Music Group and started um, trying to get people signed up. You know what I mean? And uh, it's a different day and age that a lot of people can do that on their own and have their own idea of how things should go. And Five was uh, really good at what he did. And we just kind of like said, you know, here's our music, you know, bring it, you know, and he did what he did. And then, um, the beginning of this year he put a sonority music group show together mm-hmm. and he started um and he, it was really hard to talk him into it and to, to talk him back into coming back in the scene and everything for with everything that he went through with ev- with everybody else um he was pretty much done with music and then when we asked him to come back he was just like that it took us you know like convincing him so he did that and he started the show and then COVID hit and it was, um, it was pretty, I was pretty heartbreaking for him. 
I can imagine. You know, we never really talked about it or anything like that. He just kind of uh, slowly, slowly left, you know, and, and walked back and still on great terms, still a good guy and everything. And uh, totally understand why, because, I mean, we we as a reggae band were starting to get some flack during the the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, for not posting enough about Black Lives Matter. And then when we started posting, we weren't posting the right thing. So it, I think that really got off to Five's head, you know, or that was like part of the reason why it was just that like, no matter what we do or what we try to do, like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. And uh, he was just like, I'm kind of sick of all the negativity and everything like that. And he was our Facebook guy. He was our guy that handled all every like, like Gio and I just did the music and Gio did a lot of the online and the promo and stuff like that. I was really like, I really had it easy because <laughs> like I, I just wrote record and give it to Gio and them. And he sends it off to Rod. Gio sends it to Roger uh, five handles the promo. I was just the music and the funds, you know? <laughs> so but uh, now that we took a we took a hiatus, when we went through a bunch of changes. Like I bought a house, moved, and uh, all kinds of stuff, man. So now we're getting back on it. We actually finished our first single yesterday. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're we're going like more rock steady. Okay. Yeah. That that should be real cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, just to touch on five real quick, too. Uh, when I lived in Austin and Young Costello first started, like, he really, like, gave us a lot of support, too. So, um, yeah, man, he was a, definitely a, a cool dude. So, kind of, it, it sucks to hear he's not, uh, I guess, involved in music. But, you know, hopefully once COVID gets, you know, under control and stuff, we'll see what the future yeah. holds. Well, it was also his kids, too. Okay. Like, uh, he, like they were, he has kids in high school and with the band and everything, they were pretty prominent in the band and it was taking a lot of time away from that to do what we needed him to do. And that was like the biggest reason why he left. Gotcha. He, you know, um, and cause he was, he, he said his, his words, uh, his exact words were, you know, we, I'll never get these times again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So respect but, um, yeah <laughs> um so and then another quick little story i remember uh so young c we also kind of took a break and i started a band called starlighter and i was looking for a drummer and like i had hit up geo but we just like or well geo responded to me but we could never meet up so i never actually got a chance to like jam with them that would have been pretty wild yeah <laughs> uh yeah yeah, it's hard for me to get with Gio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. Oh, I love Gio, man. He's a, he's a good dude. Yes. Uh, so you were mentioning y'all finished the single and you write the music, you send it to him. So, like, are you, do you, when you write, are you writing the complete songs or are you just sending kind of like a generalized idea? Uh, It'll either start with a chord progression or a bass line. And uh, I'll do that. And I'll record that to a metronome. 
and uh, I'll try to do a, I'll try to do a beat, but half the time I end up just going back to <laughs> the metronome. Yeah, and uh, it'll be a super rough idea. I'll send it to Geo. You know, he'll do his thing and he'll send it back, and then I'll change what I want, change what I need. You know, uh, most of the time when he sends back a drum beat, I change the bass line, of course. And it's just kind of like going back and forth. But now we have it to where it's like, I do the basic idea, send it to him. He does a just like a super basic drum track on like whatever beat he wants to do. Like, you know, one drop or flyers or, you know, steppers or anything like that. And then he'll send it back and then I'll start shaping it from there. And then once I got it to where like I'm finals with everything, then I'll send it back to him and he'll put on his final drums. And then, uh, and then at that point, we'll either send it off to Roger or, uh, you know, keep tweaking it here and there before we send it to Roger. But nice. And you're doing this from your, uh, you're doing all your parts from your studio. Yep. And then um, Gio's got his uh, parts over at his studio. Nice. So, like, when did the studio? When did you start, uh, like, investing in your studio? Uh, after Judavon, <laughs> uh, with Judavon Roots, we recorded that EP mm-hmm. and it cost like $3,000 <laughs> and, uh, cause like we, we paid a really good guy and, uh, I was not, I didn't like him. I, I liked him, but I didn't like how he produced. Like he didn't listen to reggae and, uh, he didn't listen to us and he was a bass player too. So I always got that you know, I know more than you vibe. I'm going to do it my way. You know, I'm going to do it like I'm playing bass on this. Yeah. And, uh, which with the EP, I was like, okay, I, you know, more than me, I trust you, you know? And then the EP got released and I was like, I kept telling them, I'm like, I'm not happy with it. I want more low end. I don't want more, you know, I want it fatter, you know, it's a fat, like 808 sound <laughs> or, you know, one I'll like hip hop yeah you know and uh he just couldn't grasp on it and uh and then we paid him all that money and it was like damn like i could have just invested all that money into like the studio you know and uh i do hvac i live alone i don't have kids i make pretty good money so it's just like easy for me to finance something on zounds like we got that m32 four thousand dollar board you know 333 dollar payments for a whole year it wasn't fun yeah man uh well that that's awesome to hear that you like invested in yourself so how when you started that like how did you learn or teach yourself about recording uh and using the equipment that you that you got uh youtube and uh and I, I would do the same thing with music. Like anybody that uh, knew more than me, I would ask him, you know, like what's a compressor do? What's a gate do, you know? And like, what's all these things do? And, uh, and still like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I would, I'm not confident enough to charge someone to mix and master or something, you know, I'm confident enough to, uh, to record and capture you know, but uh, I don't think I know enough about the world of mixing and mastering enough to actually, you know, 
do that and have someone compensate me for me and my, my time and my knowledge when I, I don't really have, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, w- I whenever I record someone, I always tell someone like, Hey, would you mind if I, you know, gave it a shot at mixing and mastering just so I could learn, you know? And then if y'all want to go with someone else, by all means, here's your waves, you know, but I'm just going to let y'all know, I'm going to do this for my practice on my own. Yeah, I I think that's really smart. I think it's um it's really awesome of you to I guess understand that you know that you can't charge yet without that sort of knowledge. Like that's really cool cool to hear. Um is that your next steps for your studio? Uh no, not really. I mean, I I kind of started the studio to help people out too, you know, like um I I started recording everyone I could for free and uh I I stopped doing that cuz <laughs> when you charge someone they come with their A game because they're paying for it you know what I mean and when you're like hey I'd like to help you out you know and and record your band they come in there okay uh let's record this song we're not done writing it yet but let's record it you know and start getting those like long days where you get nothing done and because no one's prepared you know or anything like that um so uh but i i still love to help people out and record and capture you know when they come prepared i just have that talk with them beforehand like hey this is what i need you to do if you want me to do this you know and if you don't walk in the door with the, with what I need, then I'm walking out that door as soon as you walk in it, you know, and it's like, yeah. um, just very transparent very just straightforward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, especially you take your time to record and your equipment, you know, so super understandable. Um, so what, uh, so I know you're doing some new sand and tones. You just finished the new single, like, um, are you going to work on an EP or uh, a full length? Or, like, what, are, what is the future right now for you on uh, the San Antones? We're, uh, we're going to be releasing some singles here and there uh, all up until they're all released. And then we're going to come out with the full length album. Uh, that The plan is to have that on vinyl and only on, and only on vinyl uh because all the singles will be released digitally and then so the only way you'll be able to get that listen to that album is just on vinyl man that that's gonna be pretty cool um it's gonna be it's gonna be entitled uh guac steady guac steady yeah Uh, yeah i can get (laughs) i can get behind that idea (laughs) um so what do you uh like vinyl is a real popular with like reggae and rock city bands, ska bands. Like, what do you think the appeal is um, for listeners and fans of reggae to like purchase vinyls? Um, they sound better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, uh, I don't know. I think a, a lot of the people that listen to the this type of music and and everything like that, it. Cause we're recording digitally, but we're mixing and mastering to tape and we're trying to have that best of both worlds feel of, you know, like you not necessarily, we want to sound exactly like we're coming from the 1960s, but 
we want to get pretty close to it and um getting close as we can would also be including putting it on vinyl and uh i, I know a lot of my friends that listen to those music they they they'd rather listen to vinyl and also the djs you know we get a lot of djs asking like vinyl only djs asking for like uh kung fu yeah i was just gonna uh, say <laughs> yeah so uh mainly for you know carlos and stephanie <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah shout out to kung fu sound system um what what are uh some of your favorite like um reggae ska bands out right now um i really love like classic like uh like right now modern would like have to say like tokyo ska paradise orchestra course uh melbourne skull orchestra um but i i I, what you catch me listening to on the daily is like uh like stuff like uh dragon lee and the or byron lee and the dragonairs uh alton ellis um you know the scottalites of course baba brooks uh but and then like also like like classic reggae like winston hussey and uh yeah phyllis dylan the techniques the pioneers i would have to say like the pioneers is probably one of my favorite i really love like what they do with their vocals very classic very yeah. classic classic bands when, when um uh, so i know we talked a little earlier about you listening to rancid and and kind of the third way but when did you really start getting into the older uh classic like ska and reggae bands um when we got into reggae geo we were playing punk rock that band fell apart geo got into reggae and made this cd and uh, before that all i ever heard the oldest thing i ever heard was like bad manners you know some like two-tone yeah you know and um i didn't know anything before that that wasn't punk rock so Geo made the CD and it had like Bougie Benton, uh, Rita, Rita Marley, uh, Inner Circle. And I mean, we listened to it and that's what got us into reggae. Uh, so that opened our eyes to all the modern bands. But um, the more we learned about reggae, the more we learned it was more of a culture than a music, you know, and that went hand in hand with punk rock and, it just kind of made me fall in love with it. So I fell in love with it and I just started researching, you know, and then, so I found Dove, you know, from the 1980s and seventies and the further back I went. And then I found, you know, classic traditional Jamaican ska, you know, and like Desmond Decker and like all that. And, uh, and I just like the more, and the, when I found out it was a culture, I found out, I was like, you have to do it right. You know what I mean? You have to do it with respect and and uh, know what you're doing in, in that world, you know, because it's a tough world to be in. And uh, so I came at it like that and we started playing reggae and everything. But I just, you know, I fell in love with reggae. I already love ska. So once I found out Rocksteady and then really del- dove into like the history of all that music, you know, and um, how like Scott started, you know, from like the 40s and 50s, b- 
big bands that you know they're all jazz musicians you know and jamaican jazz pretty much and big dance halls and then like the 1960s came around and you started seeing like the uh you know the mcs and stuff and the singers coming on stage and and then uh yeah it's just uh it, i i loved it as <laughs> yeah long story long <laughs> i loved it you know so i just the more i researched back the more i fell in love with it yeah that that's great to hear um you know like but just based on this whole our conversation so far like it sounds like you really want to understand like what you're doing like that's what i'm gathering from everything like lists like going in the history reading your books even starting base like reading your base um book so that that's really cool and i'm not sure if a lot of people even really do that because like you said like the culture to ska and reggae is um like very important um what what do you think like the future is for ska and reggae Eesh. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's hard to say. It's, it could, you know, I, I see more and more people falling in love with it and learning about the culture and learning mm-hmm. and, you know, doing their homework about it and, and finding out. But then I also see, um, a lot of people, it's like, you know doing their own thing with it and taking what taking away what they want and uh i always say in music there's no rules you know what i mean it's a form of expression there's no right or wrong way to do anything you know so uh in my perfect future i would love to see more old school bands return and a lot of people you know, more people do the older vintage reggae and stuff like that. And, uh, but that's my perfect future, you know, and, uh, a lot of my, a lot of the friends like Saltwater Slide and Capistrano and, uh, all the reggae rockers, you know, they, they bring a good crowd. They bring a good following and it's, a uh, bring a lot more of a following than any of the roots bands. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, those dudes I see a lot of like promo for on Facebook and stuff like that too. Like, another, uh, especially Saltwater. I think they even have like their own group and stuff right on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you, so what are your feelings on ska music? Do you think, uh, there's a fourth wave? Do you think there's, already happened is gonna happen or is just kind of scott just like done with waves or just in general like what what do you feel about scott now in 2020 i think the fourth wave is gonna be something like what the aquabats are doing right now (laughs) more synth less horns you know okay uh like more of like a new wave i guess i'm not sure i'm not too hip on the outside of local bands i'm not too hip on any new ska bands but from what i've heard it all sounds pretty much like like third wave yeah you know besides like rat king cole they bring the classics back yeah i I love those dudes i had uh the honor to play a show with them like at a jazz fest that was um pretty cool yeah Uh, 
Yeah, man. Um, so how can people uh, like get in touch with you as far as like wanting to record? Are you open for that or um, do you have like a business page, something? Yeah, we got Alamo K and G um, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can uh, hit us up through there. Uh, you can also reach out directly to me on Facebook. Um, I'd, I'd love to help you out. I'd uh, love to, you know, anything I can do to help out local musicians. And so I know how expensive it is. I know how hard it is. And a lot of people that the people that put in the work deserve, you know, to be rewarded and not come be slapped in the face with a, you know, a thousand dollar, you know, bill to record five songs and stuff like that. So, and we have, you know, you just come talk to us, tell us what you got and, and I would love to help you out. Alamo K and G on Facebook and Instagram. That's amazing. What about uh how can they follow you on any social media? Uh I'm on Instagram under the San Antones and uh Alamo K and G and then Facebook, Kevin Douglas Groneveld. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well uh Kevin, thank you so much for your time. Um, we really appreciate you being a part of this. Definitely gonna hit you up about some recordings, and uh, yeah, man, we'll we'll go from there. We'll catch up next time. So again, I really appreciate it, and hope you have a good night. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. Yeah, later, dude. See ya.